0: Stand up with me this morning. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, good to be with you today. Excited to see what God's going to do in this series. And uh, Pastor Tiffany, she already told you we're kicking it off today, launching new. And it's, it is How Do I. Today I'm going to talk to you about how to deal with your emotions because you all got them. And, uh, you know, uh, anybody ever said some things you wish you didn't say? All right, now let's take it to another level. Anybody ever scream some things you wish you didn't say? Everybody ever slap somebody? No, don't tell it. Don't tell it. <laughs> According to Caleb, that's all you got to do. <laughs> uh, next week, Pastor Tiffany is going to deal with. Uh, I really, I really like this one. Uh, it's kind of funny how this one's landed on her. But it's how to deal with difficult people. Look at somebody and say you difficult. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to deal with a question that I think is. Um, uh, how do I hear from God? Because there ain't no better person to hear from than Him. On, we spend a lot of time hearing from others to hear from God. Why don't you learn how to hear from Him yourself? And uh, then we'll talk about the fourth week, how to make decisions. And I believe that all four of these will lead to number four, how to make decisions. But before I do that, let me just uh, encourage you again. Pastor Tevin did wonderful at encouraging you to jump, and find, jump into and find a small group. You need a small group. You need someone that will get in and clean out your toes because you got a lot of dirt under them toes. I don't mean we're not doing foot washings. If you want a foot washing small group, ain't happening here. Um, um, But you know what I mean, all right? You can't share your stuff. You can hide all of it right here for an hour and 15 minutes or so with us. (laughs) You can put on game face and smile all day long we got Jesus in the house with us. <laughs> and you can lie all day. Sorry, I just had to do it. Uh, uh, I love you, man. <laughs> Slap me later. Uh, uh. Jamie, I want to thank you for leading the last small group with me. You, that was it. I approached him on our Tuesday small group and for men. And, uh, you know, I, I know Jamie questioned. Can I be transparent? He questioned himself in that probably because he's not perfect out there. So you might be questioning yourself because you're not perfect out there and say, how could I ever lead a small group? That's why you need a small group is to find out your imperfections and let somebody help you with it. All I'm asking you to do is maybe MC one and be a part of leading that. So you need to find one today. If there's not one out there, maybe we can help you locate one. We are going to be taking after what I teach on today, harnessing your emotions. uh, We're going to be starting on Wednesday night Not this, a week from Wednesday. We'll be starting one together. Uh, And I don't care if this one turns into two or a hundred. It doesn't matter to me. But we're going to be doing an Andrew Womack study. Womack, I think is how you actually say it. I always said Womack, but that's not it. Um, On harnessing your emotions. We're going to take what we get today to a whole other level. I'm going to do 13 weeks of it. All right, you say that's a long time. Yeah, you just come to the ones you want. That's what's so cool about that. But be an hour and ten minutes, no child care, be uh, coffee, that kind of thing. But we're going to small group together because I know that this is a glitch for all of us. Just getting out there, running at the mouth, being rude and saying things you don't want to. Even the nicest of the nicest person has to deal with emotion. Emotions go across the board, man. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But can we do one thing together before we go any further? And that our president has actually designated today National Day of Prayer for our folks in Texas and what they have uh, um, just experiencing and going through. I was talking to Steve Garza just a couple of days ago. He's got family. His parents are out there, and uh, it just starts to hit home. I'm sure you've probably checked on the gas prices by now. It affects us all, and, uh, but they need the power of God. They need people. They need resources all across the nation to come and help them, and uh, I found out that prayer makes power available for that to happen. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's pray for those folks. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so grateful and honored that we have a God that doesn't allow things to take Him by surprise. You know all things ahead of time. You're not a God that brings destruction and causes hurt and pain to people. You're the God that restores it and puts it together and brings resources to make that happen. And Father, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that there is a curse in the world, but we're redeemed from it. And Father, we look at this storm as not only just uh, an attack from the enemy, of course, but but just part of the world that we live in. Well, it's hurt people. It's hurt people that you love. And so now, Father, we get up underneath of them and gird them as a congregation, as a church. All the way here on the far east coast, we gird them with your power, with your strength, praying for the resources, unlimited to get out there to where they need to be people, places, things, everything that needs to come into the path to bring them into quick restoration. We know it's a while for that to happen. But speed it up, Father. And I promise these people standing in front of me that they will see your goodness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Stay standing with me just for a couple more minutes. Uh, Carson, I want to go to John chapter uh, 15. And I want us to just see the scripture together. And then I'll I'll let you be seated, and you'll be able to sit down the rest of the service. Um, John chapter 15, 15, verse 11. Got that one for me, hon? Guys, she was up late last night. She was here all day. She was all night Friday night with the JV group, and she's still making it happen. Come on, give it up for Carson this morning. There it is. There it is. Won't you read it with me? I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. If you know the context of this, 13 through 17, Jesus is saying some last things that are important to his disciples. And in context of this, you see, he says, I have told you these things. We'll read another one that will bring that home as well. He's saying, this is important. I want you to know this. This is something important to be working in your life. And he says, I lost it, but sorry. He says, to overflow. I want you to be overflowing with my joy, an emotion of joy. So look at somebody and say, it's time to get some joy. Go to about three people and tell them, it's time to get some joy. And you can sit down. Come on. Find a couple people. Don't just sit down. Find a couple people. Sorry, Carson. I threw that one on you. John sixteen thirty three. <clears throat> we'll start there. It's in the amplified version. You know, we'll define it here in a minute. Emotions and and I got to really be a good steward of your time because I know you got things you got to do today. Labor Day weekend's awesome. I want to make sure you have time to spend it with your family. Looks like we got beautiful weather for the next two or three days. Come on, come on. That's I'm going to make you get in touch with your emotions today. All right? Uh, Some of you need to really recognize something on your face. Tell somebody else it's time to get happy. (laughs) Uh, We spend a lot of time living in emotion. you got emojis all day long that prove that. Don't go there yet. Uh, Emojis all day. You hide behind those emojis to really kind of uh, maybe just hide what's really going on. And hopefully today, I'll be able to help what's really going on so that you can make sure that emoji is telling the truth. All right? In John chapter 16, verse 33, I love this verse. Again, it's in the same context of what Jesus is telling us, something that's important. And you can tell that by the first three or few words. Again, he says, I've told you these things, almost as if, look, there's a reason I'm telling you this. We know in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, When he knew his hour was come. So that tells me when he knew his hour was come, he could see ahead of his own life that he was getting ready to experience probably the most challenging emotional feeling, mood he was ever going to have to experience in his whole life. He was going to die. He was going to experience pain. He was going to experience grief. He was going to experience separation. He's going to experience joy in the same moment. He's going to experience uh, uh, some of the outward things that we all see every single day when it comes to how people treat you. And so he says, I'm telling you, you're going to need something. It's going to be imperative to have something working in life. Because look, I can see ahead for you. Here's what he said. So that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence in the world... Let me just invite you. Kind of off page here a little bit. Everything I walk through, we walk through together, I want you to look for the feeling and the emotion that you're hearing. This is not just words of instruction. This is not just words of, hey, I'm an authority, I know what I'm talking about. This is a feeling of emotion why he's saying this. Can you imagine what he's getting ready to see? He says, look, in the world you're going to have tribulation... Trials, distress, and come on, frustration. Amplified version. (laughs) How many are married? How many are... In the world, you will have frustrations, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. And I love the last phrase. I've studied this one so much in detail over the years. This is exactly what's trying to be said in the scripture. He says, I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. <laughs> Next week, you're going to find out that God's conquered difficult people for you. <laughs> you don't like that one either, huh? Listen, let me give you a... I want to share something with you. You might be shocked to know, listen... You're never going to have complete peace in every circumstance. Let that sink in. You're never going to have complete peace in every circumstance. If, <laughs> if you're waiting on all the external things to be fixed before you have that peace, joy, and happiness. If you're waiting for the marriage to get better. If you're waiting for all the money to be in the bank. If you're waiting for your body to be totally healed to where you physically see it, if you're waiting to get over the grief of the loss of that one that meant so much to you, there's not a day that I don't think about my mother. Probably more amplified now than ever with the fact that my daughter's getting ready to get married. There's not a day I don't think about it. But you have to understand, the Scripture says you're going to have trial, tribulation, uh, distress, and frustration... But you're never going to have peace in any area of your life if you're waiting for all of those external things to be happy, to be peaceful, and to be joyful. You're going to be frustrated there because what's happening is we have to come to this place where the circumstances of our life are not actually controlling my life. Or, listen, you're going to hear listen a lot today. Look at somebody and say, time to listen. You can't allow those circumstances to control how you actually feel. Emotions and feeling go hand in hand, but emotions come first. Feelings are a result of what your emotional where it begins, and your mood is just who that's the atmosphere of your life, and that's long term. I'm not focusing on your mood. Bad mood, good mood, I don't care. If you focus on the emotion, the mood will come in place. But if you try to focus on just a feeling and not understand the difference of emotion and what's going on in your emotions, you're always going to be moved by that feeling and that feeling will control you and you'll have what you feel. <clears throat> Being a byproduct of whatever... Listen now. Oh, my life is so set free. If Being a byproduct of whatever life throws at me is wrong unless that byproduct is a reflection of who I am in God. It's time to harness emotions. Stop letting them control us. Let me define emotion for you. Emotion simply defined is a conscious, mental reaction. So that tells me something to begin with. That, it begins in my thoughts. It's in my mind. That's where the emotion begins. It's a mental reaction. I think it, and then I react to what I thought. Here's what it goes on to say. Webster. Such as anger, fear, or joy... Subjectively experienced as a strong feeling, usually directed toward a specific object or person, and typically accompanied, accompanied by, listen, accompanied by physiological and behavioral changes in the body. So if I want my body well, if I want my circumstances to change, if I want my emotional state to change, I got to start here. But what we're doing is we're going out here to fix all of that when you've got to come back to starting in here. If we keep sometimes, listen, guys, just got we got to learn how to get out of the car seat and get in the driver's seat. And some of us are allowing ourselves and others and our family to stay in the car seat and never getting in the drive seat. If you've got kids, this is probably one of the most important lessons to teach them because they live in a world that is full of emotion, driven by the touch of a finger, how people think, act, and treat them and look at them, and they're determined their life by those of other people. We have to teach them how to do this on their own and go to a place where they know who they are in God so that they can face all of those emotions and they don't need someone to sit in front of them to tell them why it's happening out here. They're never going to go to the place where they tell them why it's happening in here. Because all they can tell them is what's happening out here. Uncontrolled emotions are uncontrolled reactions which eventually will lead to sin. Now that's big. If your emotions are not controlled, I'm going to show you how. I'm not going to show you come to you today and teach you you're never going to be in a bad mood. I would be lying to you. I couldn't tell you that because some of you got a bad mood today. You came in with a bad mood, still got a bad mood, and you're real mad at me right now because I'm hitting you in the face with it. Can I tell you what happened to me a couple nights ago? Oh, Studying all day on Friday. And I wanted to stay and study at night. The ball game, First Flight Manio High School, the most important game of the year to begin the year off. Okay, I'm tossed with the emotion of that because I love both of you. I, I'm a Manioer. I was, went to Manio High School, so this is my alma mater. This is my school. This is my team. We gotta win. But I have kids and coaches that go to First Flight. You gotta win too. And I don't want to watch the game from the goalpost because you can't see anything. <laughs> and then I gotta be on the I gotta watch this end, and then I gotta run all the way around and go to the other end. <laughs> and watch them score there. This is all in my head. It's my emotion of this. And my wife, who's more common sense about these things than I am, is not necessarily concerned about you, maybe. <laughs> I don't mean that wrong. <laughs> so I worship... Yeah, we know you do. That's why all we got all the small groups. Listen. Uh, As we came to that spot (laughs) Friday night, it came to discussion of shower, everything, getting ready. I bet I took my clothes off and put them on to go to the game three times. (laughs) And finally it came down to, I'm staying home. (laughs) And then she said this, about ticked me off so bad. (laughs) She said, now you know if you stay home, you make sure you stay home and study. Oh. Oh, I'm on restriction, huh? <laughs> so, what did I do? I jumped up, put my clothes on, drove separately. <laughs> Emotional roller coaster, man. She's texting me the whole way, trying to tell me don't come, don't come, don't come. Looks awkward for us to walk in, not together. So I didn't go. I'm in control. But she knows her heart behind all of that. She knows if the fire alarm goes off, I'm leaving my study and I'm going to the fire. She knows that I'll do that. She says, you're going to waste your time, lose your time that you need to be studying so that you're not ready and you're not doing it at midnight. That's her whole thought process behind that. It wasn't because... She knew what I would do. And the fire alarm went off on the way. (laughs) So it's an experience that I had where we can be triggered quickly in response and we've got to learn how to deal with that so that we... I mean, I, I came as f- close to cussing. I used the word closest to the F word as I could get. Freaking! <laughs> I'm just telling you. Oh... oh. If we learn how to harness these emotions, we'll stop getting in all the trouble that we're in. All right? <laughs> Isaiah 26, verse 3, New Living says, I'm going to read it out of the New Living. It says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You've got to get to the place where the person's circumstances, running out of money, d- diseases and things are not the things that are determining my joy. If we don't have our mind fixed on God, I'm telling you, you will not have peace. And I'm not telling you, you're not having these things come against you. And I'm not telling you that this is easy. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I'm going to read this whole thing. For no temptation, no trial regarding as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. So you're not special. That is no temptation, you just don't know, Pastor, how, no, I don't, I don't care, no one. There's someone, trust me, there's someone that's got more on their life than you do right now. There's people sitting in here right now that don't have their kids because they've gone on home to be with the Lord. You have your kids, so don't tell me that life is bad for you. I know it could be bad, but there's always somebody that's got more than you going on. As no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience and such as a man can bear. But God's faithful to His Word and His compassionate nature. and He can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance. Skip a little bit. He will always also provide the way out, a way of escape. Last part of this, just for time's sake, you can read it yourself. Strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. What does he say? There is always going to be an escape plan. I've got to tell you guys, your emotions and attitude is your choice. It is totally up to us. Not up to anybody else. And it's actually an act of obedience to control it. If you go all the way back to Deuteronomy 28, verse, verses 1 through verse 61, you can read them all yourself. This is where we see our first writing of the law or the curse of the law that if the children of Israel did these things, the first 16 verses tell you the blessing that would come into their life. But the rest from 8, 17, 18 on to 61 tells you if they didn't do all of these things, these curses will come into your life. Now in Galatians 3.13, New Testament, New Covenant, everybody say, thank God. You are redeemed. But the biblical principle application of this is still... Actually, all of the law is summed up under one law. It's the law of love. And you can't walk in love if you're not controlling your emotions. So here's what the scripture says. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. And he goes on and says these things are going to happen. So what did he say? The joy is in your hands. The gladness of heart is in your hands. Not based on whether he's done this or done that. External circumstances that I can see. It's a choice of heart that determines whether you have peace or joy. Proverbs 23, verse 7. I could have quoted it, but I wanted to move on. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You have to look at the word heart. As a man thinketh in his eternal, internal heart and with his external mind. The Bible says that the, the, the brain just makes it all work. That's just an organ of physical that makes it all work. But the mind, the soulless realm that you have that will last throughout eternity is the mind and the will and the choices that you make. And the Bible is telling me here that as that soulless realm, how I think, act, is all going to be determining, that will actually determine who I am. What I'll have. Where I'll go. What I'll see. What I'll do. (laughs) We see emojis. All day long. Let's look at a few. Give me one, Carson. What is that one? Is that an emotion? How many has ever used that? How many are still trying to figure out what emojis are? All right. Let's look at another one. What's that? Let's look at another one. Oh, I like that one. If you knew my husband. So you send it to your husband. All right. How about another one? That's what I see teaching you sometimes. Another one. Anybody ever made you feel like that? <laughs> Anybody ever sent one out and said, you? Not me, I haven't, but I'm sure you have. All right, now listen, hold on. There's another level of this. And I'm finding out that it's only for the 45 and older because the 40 and younger can't stand this. It's, like it, it's lame to them. It's like, come on, it's over with. But I love bitmojis. Anybody know what a Moji is? Everybody over 50 just raise their hand. No. A Bitmoji. This is my favorite one. This is absolutely my favorite. Give it to them, Carson. Yeah! Church will make you want to take crazy pills. People will make you want to take crazy pills. People will want to give you a pill to make you feel better. But it's an external thing that makes you feel that way. How do I get to the place where I'm going to harness emotions that I'm talking to people through my phone and hiding behind, or maybe expressing a real one? How am I going to get to where I'm not driven by the emotion of the day? How am I going to get to where I'm not driven by minute by minute, day by day, hour by hour, month by month? And, and I'm trying to, people are sending emojis right now. You're sending them out right now. You can even communicate with an emoji now and never have to say a word. If your attitude is a result of the character of God and your relationship with Him, you can harness and control any emotion. It's your decision. You can be miserable as long as you want to be. You can stay in fear as long as you want to stay in fear. You can stay angry as you want to stay angry. You can allow your past to dominate you as long as you want to. You can think the world owes you something. You can keep being crappy to others and you can keep making it all about you. You can even hide behind the closed door of your house. But until you get to the place where you learn how to cheer yourself up, guess what? Life will never change for you and you're always going to be uh, frustrated. No one can do that for you. There's a conscious decision of it. So look at somebody right now and say, time to cheer up. Stand up with me. Come on, stand up with me. You're not going to sleep on this one. Go find two people and you tell them, get happy, happy, happy. The attitude of your heart, listen, I'm going to give you a good answer here. The attitude of your heart is directly connected to what you are concentrating on. If you insist on saying what you feel, you're eventually going to feel what you say. If you insist on saying what you feel, eventually you're going to feel what you say. Matthew 15, 11, for scripture reference, just in case you think I'm lying. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out, because what comes out goes back into his heart. And in order to guard your heart, you're going to have to get to this place where you harness these emotions. And in Proverbs chapter 4, I believe we can get a little insight to begin to how to do that. Proverbs chapter 4, if you've got your scriptures with you, go there with me. Beginning in verse 18. The scripture here says the path of the righteous, the path I'm walking on, where I'm going in life, Christian. The reason I say that is because righteous is based upon a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once you've answered that, this cl- includes you. And in the next verse it says, The path of the, those that are not righteous inside of God walk in darkness. So there's dark on one side and light on the other. You choose which one you want to walk in. Even if you're in the light, you can still choose to walk in the dark. Here's what he said. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know what way makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say so that this doesn't happen to you. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those that find them, health to a man's whole body. Above all else. In other words, nothing trumps this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. And some of us are protecting everything else more than you're protecting your heart. The right insurance, the right car. None of these things are wrong to have. You have to have them in the world we live in, because we're going to have trial, tribulation, frustration, and distresses. But any of that will not bring you to. Think about the people in Texas right now. I don't care how much insurance they got. It doesn't mean a thing right now, because they ain't got nothing. They may have the insurance that they need to provide and take over, but right now they have nothing. And if we focus on the nothing, you'll get to the place where you come back to the heart decision where, oh my gosh, I'm not nothing. I don't have anything. I can't go any farther. And what am I going to do? Oh no, there's no hope. There's no way out. And eventually you will have no way out, nowhere to go, because what you're saying gets into your heart and what gets into your heart produces on the outward what you're going to have. Hold fast to the confession, the profession of your faith. Why do you hold fast? Because something's going to try to take your faith away. And emotions are driving our faith away from God and putting our faith in outside external things that will not last for eternity. Verse 25 and 26. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Concentrate. Everybody say concentrate. Concentrate. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Let me ask you, what is your concentration on right now? The crazy man up here on the platform? Or lunch on the way out? I mean, I'm just as normal as you are. I'm sitting here on the front row concentrating. Did these kids do a great job today? A wonderful job. As they're worshiping, I'm not thinking about you or here. I'm thinking about the start of the north location. They're going to be amazing when they get there. You can drift and go wherever you want with your mind. But we have to, the Bible says, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. I get that. Renew it to the word. But what are you concentrating on? Because concentration will determine the outcome of the mouth. And what flows out of the mouth, what is focused here and you're fixed on, determines the direction of that. Go to Matthew 14. I'll answer some of this. Matthew chapter 14. There is so much in this chapter. And I want to do my best to just kind of tip you through it. I want you to look into this chapter, the whole chapter with me. And I want you to find emotion in it. And I want you to see, first of all, look look at what Jesus did. Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Jesus, the example I'm to follow. Did he experience emotion? Not just the cross, but in daily life. How did he handle it? In the first few verses, one through, uh, I think I wrote it down for myself, time's sake. One through twelve. John the Baptist, his cousin, dear cousin to him, gets beheaded. For no reason really at all. Heinous, ridiculous crime. Because of some lady's kicks. And the emotion of that close to Jesus, he finds out, look at the very next verse, in verses four, excuse me, 13, look at what happens. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. What emotion do you think he was experiencing right here? Come on, what? Sadness. Not just sadness. Yeah, sadness is a form. Grief. I mean, like real grief. Unexpected, didn't know it was going to happen. Closest to me, uh, John the Baptist saw me coming. We're going to, he gets what I'm about. We're like this, poof, and he's gone. Because of somebody else's crazy ridiculousness. Do you think Jesus got mad here? Angry? grief? I bet he had every emotion that you have. Because the Bible says he's been tempted in every way just like you. And in that temptation, look what happens. In that emotion, in that experience of grief, look what happens. It's your choice what you concentrate on. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from... And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the bow and he chose to have the emotion of compassion on them. So in his grief, he chose... i got to put the people before my own grief. I'm not telling you not to grieve. I'm just saying that, listen, it's not going to control you. And because he didn't allow that to control him, what did he do? He fed 5,000 people and healed everybody that was sick. Now move on. Then after that moment, can you imagine the emotion of the loss comes back to him? And after all of that, I know what it feels like I get through here. It's like a rush. It's like a spiritual high. And you get out there and you, feel, you hear about four or five texts from you guys that say the service was terrible or the service was good. It's like an emotional roller coaster before you get home. And you wish you could just jump back up here and say everything you should have said on the way home. And so here he is, he just changed all these people's lives. Can you imagine what he may have had and experienced? Just go with me. He may have experienced the grief of the loss of John all of a sudden again. And what did he do? He sent the people that were bugging him, the closest to him, get out of my way, leave me alone, get off in a boat, I'll come back to you later. And he goes to another solitary place. He goes back to his father. He goes to the one that can do something with his grief so that when he's faced with a moment like that again, and then you know the next thing that happens. What happens next? <laughs> He's the one that sent them out there. Now let's jump into their life. Let's jump into the disciples' life. They're in the boat that Jesus told them to go. They're in the call of God. He, this is where I want you to be. This is where I want you to be. This is, where you, this is the perfect will for you. Go out there and get in the boat. And then the storm, trials, tribulations, frustrations, distress shows up. And what happens to them? Can you imagine? You think they weren't ticked off at Jesus? They love so much? You sent us out here, now you sent us to be a part of this. You're supposed to know all things. We could have just stayed with you and gone to the mountain and prayed with you and we wouldn't be in this mess. Just go with me. This is how emotions run and race. They get out there. But listen, you can always know that Jesus is walking towards you even when you're walking away from Him. And then, of course, we could talk about Peter and... Getting out of the boat. I don't want to talk about him getting out of the boat. I want to talk about what he thought when he got out of the boat. What did he think? The storm is still raging. Everything about it is still there. But his concentration got off of that for a moment. Just like your concentration can get off of your circumstances for a moment. And you fix your eyes on Jesus. And man, I'm walking on the water. And then all of a sudden another life challenge comes at you that you did not expect. Some tragedy happens to a good person and all of a sudden you're rocked off of that. You lose sight of Jesus and you get the concentration off of that. He's going to help me conquer everything. I'm going to overcome everything. He's already conquered this for me. He knows the emotion and the feeling and the hurt that I'm feeling right now. He's the only one. And you don't run to Jesus. You run to everybody else instead of running to Him. So you put Jesus in a place where he has to come toward you. He wants to, will, every single time. And Peter's lies got off of Jesus. And then you know the rest of the story. Jesus came back. Tripped him out. Looked like they're seeing a ghost. He's on the water. Circumstances. Gets his eyes off. And they begin to back up. And yeah, the moral of the story is what happens? Jesus gets back in the boat with them. Some of you got to stop getting off of the boat. Some of you need to get Jesus in your boat. Some of you need to trust the fact that he's not left your boat. Because the moment you put Jesus back into your life, that's where the peace is. And if you stay focused on all that's not working right now, you'll never Ever have the peace that's going to help you overcome it? And if that frustration gets to where it gets into here, you're going to constantly have the things that you don't want. The scripture says to speak to the mountain, and that mountain will be removed. The scripture says, Hear the word, and let the word be the thing that comes in and sets you free. We're not hearing the word. We're, going, we're calling everybody on the phone. And I know I'm reading people's mail. And listen, the, the most difficult thing of a pastor is that I know things about you. But you've got to give me the liberty to show you what I want to show you in a small corner room in a bathroom and push you through a wall and say, get this! The reason what's happening in your life is because you are off-kilter and everything that's coming out is the same and that's exactly what you're having because it's going right back into your heart and your heart determines the emotion. Didn't like that? They tell me to quit asking that question because they say that people are thinking. And I hope you are. But can I, listen to what David says. Come on guys, bring me my stuff up here if you don't mind. Brock, you can go in and come on up. Listen to what David said. David said this, in Psalm 42 verse 11. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Have you ever asked that question? I know you have. But maybe we're going to the wrong place to get the answer to that. Maybe the answer is not hearing somebody tell me what to do. Hence why we're going to talk about difficult people, hearing from God, making decisions. If we don't direct you into that direction, you're going to frustrate yourself and people and everybody around you will be frustrated. But look at what Peter, I mean not Peter, David, look at what he did. The first two verses, look at the next step. I will, no this is my, my, my put in here. I'll change my concentration. I'll put my hope in God. You ever thought about doing that? Look at somebody and say, I'll put my hope in God. And tell that person, because you can't help me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it sounds so simple. It's too difficult for you. For us. Here's how he puts his hope in God. I will praise him again does that tell me something yes trials tribulations frustration and distress are going to come back and again I'm going to put my hope in God I'm going to praise him again my savior my God because he's conquered all of this for me for the visual people now I've been told to squirt this all over you I can't do it, God. I can't make it. I don't know what to do next. No one loves me. No one cares for me. I want to take my life. I can't make it without my mom. I can't call my mom, God, why? I can't call her. I can't talk to her, half full, half empty, not going there. It's a blue Monday for me, I'm not sure I'm going to make this, Lord, and the emotion of that starts to overwhelm me, and the scripture says the only way that I'm going to be able to overcome this is I'm going to, it's like Solution. Everybody know your class. What is it? Class. What is that? I wasn't good at chemist chemistry. I think that'd be chemistry. Teachers help me. Is that chemistry? Solution. I've got to change what I'm concentrating on. That is the blue Monday. It's not gonna work. Where am I gonna go and stop going to all of the external resources to fix this and go back to con changing my concentration? my God will always come through for me my God he's never going to let me be begging for bread he'll meet every need that I have angels are watching over me keeping me safe my God you see if you change what you're concentrating on look what begins to happen What's dominating your life right now? The crud or the heart? And the scripture says, hand me my other picture. And the scripture says, <laughs> above all else, I've got to guard my heart. What are you concentrating on? Are you concentrating on the outside circumstances? I'd really trip you out if I drank this right now. Are you focused on what's supposed to be under your feet? Stand up with me. Be of good cheer in the world you got stuff. Come on up, baby. And the stuff that's in your world is no different than anyone else. It's not any more special. But pastor, I don't know what to do. It's not changing. I don't know what to do with them anymore. He does. You know, it's funny. is, Is simple things like simple adjustments that we can make in our own personal life begins to aid to this. I can say this because my pastor, so I'm biased, so get mad at me. I don't care. Church. What are you concentrating on when it's church once a month and three times a week? It's whatever comes up my way. Huh? You're concentrating on external comforts. Oh, I can't have it. I had I had somebody in the hospital. I don't care. They need you more than ever. We've got all the tools and the resources God's put in our hands. Small group. I'm alone. Nobody likes me. Small group. But I'm not good in small group. Freddie Barbosa. <laughs> when we first came into our group, Jamie, did he talk? The second week, did he talk? A little bit. The third week, he talked all about how bad it was. No pun intended, Freddie. But by the end of six weeks of two small groups, he's on a video telling you this is how. He's not telling you he's over it. He's not telling you that it's not still there. He's not telling you that he that he has the opportunity to not sleep at night most nights of the week. He's not telling you that I have I I I don't like being Mr. Mom. No, he's telling you I'm getting around people that when I feel like that and the emotion of that, you see, if we would get on board and hold people accountable to the outward emotion of expression because we know if it seeps into here, it will destroy their life and mess up the future of their calling. But no, what do we do? We find people that want to talk about the same thing and by the end of the night, we're all having a bad day. Gossip and murmuring and complaining. Don't complain around me very long. I'm telling you. Why? Not because I don't want to hear what you're saying, because I know if you hear it long enough, it'll seed into your heart, and then it becomes like a cancer. It'll get onto somebody else, and before long, we got everybody complaining, and then all of a sudden, a bunch of lives are destroyed from one seed. Welcome back, Pastor Stephen. When she starts saying amen like that, that means she wants me to shut up. Because if I, listen, if I yield to the emotion of that, she's going to come up and try to smooth it out a little bit so that you feel better about yourself on the way out. I don't, it works sometimes. How much longer are we going to allow, I've got to feel good on the way out of church to determine whether I heard from God or not. David was honest with his emotion. Why God? How God? But he changed his concentration. Got back into his heart. Instead of allowing the negativity getting into his heart. What are you going to do?